0: This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce.
1: Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights, here to break down week Eleven. A week that uh, gave us a little bit of information as how everything would shape up with the college football playoff, but a lot of it <laughs> remains the same. But at least we know people on the fringes who won't be in, and that's all I'll say about that. A um, lot to get into here, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of ugly. We've picked out a few for you. Uh, before we get into that, I need to introduce my co-host. My name is Madison. I'm joined as always by Brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you?
0: I'm well. It was a good week of football. Um, excited to dive in. I have a lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of ugly to choose from. Um, and you're right, we did learn some things this weekend. Um, and we'll continue to learn some things over the next two weeks. It's gonna be interesting to see how everything shakes out because you know, there's some there's some very intriguing and interesting uh <clears throat> scenarios that we could be faced with here in the coming weeks as it regards to the football playoff uh uh, uh, you know, race here, if if I dare say so myself, but you know, these things have a way of of working their way, you know, working itself out. I'm I'm interested to see. It feels like I don't know about you. It feels like this might be the most jumbled together at the top that it's been in many many years. So, um, will some of these top teams fall off in the coming weeks, or you know what? It's, it's fascinating. Let me just put it this way: I'm I'm not envious of the people in the committee room as of right now. If things were to end today, because it would be tough and they will tick off a lot of people um but that's just it's it's what you signed up for so it'll be interesting yeah
1: we are going a day later <clears throat> than normal uh just because uh schedules worked out that way so as we are recording this literally i think Pearson six minutes i think it's seven eastern that the the playoff committee does their ranking so in, se- in six minutes we will have a new ranking. So maybe we'll uh, get it in time to just break it down a little bit on this podcast, but uh, it will be interesting. Uh, You know, I, am not sure what you're going to list as your good, but you know, Georgia absolutely took care of business uh, at home versus Ole Miss. I will get into it. Michigan took care of business on the road at Penn State. Ohio State won, but a lot of people are going, okay. Their best loss is look, or their best win is looking not as good anymore because of Notre Dame's losses, and uh, they're struggling offensively. Then on the other hand, at Pierce, you have, uh, you know, Washington who's undefeated, who's looking struggling each week, and then you've got Alabama, who is putting together quietly, looking like the Alabama as of late. Um, with another win on the road at Kentucky, obviously last week taking it at LSU. So, um, you know, that's going to be interesting. So far, Pierce, the only conference championship that is set is the SEC. We know that will be Georgia and Alabama um, at uh, here in Atlanta, Georgia. A lot of other ones are still up in the air. I think the only one who's clinched otherwise is um, FSU, if I'm not mistaken. Big 12, wide open. Um, I'm not sure. I think Washington has clinched in the, the Pac-12, but the other part of it, Oregon State could play, spoiler, um, and then um, trying to think, what, what conference should I not say? The Big Ten, obviously the game is going to have a lot to, to decide there uh, with who represents that side of the Big Ten in what is the last year of divisions pretty much across the board. I don't think anybody's keeping divisions. Um, ACC and Big 12 are already off of it and Pac-12. So just Big Ten and SEC, which are going away next year. With commentary alignment. Do you like this processing I'm doing real time? It's great. It's, it's, I'm sure it's just super thrilling. Uh, let's jump in here, Pierce. Let's do our good, our bad, our ugly. We'll also hit you with our breakers of the week. Something tells me Jaden Daniels will make that list uh, because he absolutely is the best player in college football. Uh, my good of the week, Pierce, the number three Michigan Wolverines on the road against the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, okay, there was a lot of interesting things here. And I'm going to get into them, but but ultimately, Michigan gets it done, 24 to 15. James Franklin had some interesting calls going for two, um, and then wouldn't answer it in his post game press conference of why he did that um, in certain situations. But ultimately, what it was was a Michigan team, and this score is a lot closer than I think it felt when you're watching this game because ultimately Michigan just controlled it from from start to finish. Um, the fact that, and this is the interesting part, <laughs> JJ McCarthy only threw the ball. Eight times. He only had seven completions in the game. That is really interesting considering the fact that he is a Heisman candidate and up until a few weeks ago was the front runner for the Heisman. I don't know, again, I don't know if that's because they just knew that they had what it takes and they could just run all day on Penn State or if something's happening with JJ or maybe this was the first really good defense they've played and he's not that good of a quarterback. Just some thoughts. Um, No Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for this one because of that suspension from the Big Ten. Uh, They are filing a restraining order. We'll see if he gets that uh, temporary restraining order lift so that he can or sorry, whatever. I don't even know what the hell it is. Some kind of restraining order. I don't know how you do a restraining order against the conference. Anyways, they're trying to get a temporary lift on that so that he can coach in the the last um, two games for the Wolverines. Like I said, JJ McCarthy, 7 of 8 for 60 yards, not a great stat line, but you know who did have a great game? It was Blake Corum. He carried the ball 26 times, 145 yards and two touchdowns. And then on the flip side of things defensively, they were able to limit Penn state. Um, They did not. uh, It's weird. 15 is a weird score to get to. But again, like I said, uh, James Franklin did make the move to go for two a couple of those times, but uh, yeah, ultimately Michigan just gets it done. It was never really in doubt. Um, And, and it's good because that's their first big test. Everybody's been saying Michigan doesn't, hasn't played anybody. And that's true. This is their first test, but here's the thing. They get Ohio state at home this year. Um, and, and I'm sure that they're going to be fired out because of the whole suspension investigation did Ryan days, brother, whatever, all of that drama. I'm not going to get on it here, get in on it here. Um, but they are going to be fired up for that one. So all of a sudden they're placed as looking like one of the best, uh, you know, finally, they're putting some, some resume together. I should say to back up the, the notion that they're one of the best teams <clears throat> in the nation, um. So we'll see. Like I said, how the committee does here, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a good weekend for them. First big test. Mark it off. They have a cupcake this week. I don't know who it is. Um, and then obviously the game. Uh, I weekend. think they play Maryland, Maryland. this weekend. Maryland. So okay.
0: Technically, yes, a cupcake. Not technically oh, yeah. speaking, but yeah, you, you and I know it's going to be
1: a cupcake. It's it is at Maryland. <laughs>
0: hey. it is at Maryland.
1: So we'll see. Yeah. Do you have anything yep. to say about this game? We'll
0: see. You. Yeah, I have got a question for yeah. you. Um, not that it really means all that much like in the short term, but do you have do you find it weird that JJ McCarthy only threw eight passes? Really, really weird Pierce.
1: And I think if I'm not mistaken watching the game, weren't they all in the first half too? Did they not didn't they come up from y- halftime yes. and he didn't throw so, again?
0: So he had one throw, however there was a penalty okay. and they accepted the penalty and therefore it out it took away the pass attempt. Okay. So technically speaking, they didn't attempt to pass in the second half that was like registered. But he did try one, but they accepted So what do
1: you court, make so of that? Do you think it was a matter of them coming in at halftime and going, hey, we're running the ball really well. Let's just keep doing that. Do you think maybe he got banged up? Or do you think, like I said or alluded to earlier, he's maybe not as good of a quarterback? You know, he's had some ups and downs in his career at Michigan. Um, you know, was it them looking ahead and going, hey, you're actually really struggling. We don't trust you with the ball. And Blake's Blake's able to just find open space. We're just going to trust him to carry the rock.
0: You know, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Um, I think that you're spot on with that. They could just run the football and, and win this game. It would shorten the game as well. Um, but I also view it because, I, listen, I think it's pretty impressive when you can do that to a team and win. And there's no real threat of losing the game. I mean, when you can just jam it down their throat. But honestly, and maybe I'm in the minority here, <clears throat> but... It seemed like they realized they could run the football and win the game that way rather than throwing it, which might get them some bigger plays, but also could potentially give them some turnovers, which would allow Penn State to keep up with them. And if that is the case, which that's kind of the way I'm leaning, that is not a good sign if you're a Michigan right. fan because I don't think when you start facing the big boys that you're going to be able to do that every single game. Um, you know, obviously you hit, it, you, hit you hit the mail on the head there. McCarthy uh, last year against TCU was the reason they lost. I mean, you know, statistically he put up some good numbers, but he had those two horrible pick sixes um, and, and and a couple other errant throws throughout the game that really cost them a chance to go to the national championship. So, you know, listen, I, I don't. And it's also very weird. And I understand like Kirby would do the same thing here, and, and Nick Saban would too. But you know, he what just two weeks ago was the odds on favorite to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Yep, I thought that was ridiculous. I, I did not think that was uh, that was correct at all i i I, in fact didn't even have him in my top well they
1: were putting up really good numbers but they weren't playing anybody
0: yeah true but when you looked at his numbers he was like 500 yards behind like the next like he was like 29th in total passing yards and and he was like 600 yards behind the top so
1: do you think you and i both listen to a podcast i won't mention it here but there is a um you know, the heart and soul of that podcast. He mentions a lot that the Heisman is no longer about maybe back in the days of Lamar and, and Robert Griffin, the third who were on teams that obviously had their own struggles with Baylor and Louisville, but they were the best team in the country or the best player in the country. And they were doing that in spite of being on a struggling team. Whereas the award has kind of turned into the best player on the best team. I'm not sure that's JJ, but we know this is a quarterback award, Um, so do you think that was because his odds went up because it looked like, oh, Michigan, you know, according to PJ Fleck is the most complete team in the nation and he's the quarterback. So obviously he's going to win it. Do you think it was kind of that kind of inflation?
0: Yeah, I think that plays a part. I think it's a few different things. I think it's that, I think it's, um, I think there is a, there's a large number of Michigan, uh, fans and alumni alumni that are in the media that are also, you know, propping them up. And, um, and this might be one of the biggest things and it's kind of what you're seeing with, it's really over the last 10, 15, 20 years is, is kind of the bread and butter and what it takes to win a Heisman is, he has three massive games to finish it out. He's got on the road at Penn state, he's got Maryland, he's got Ohio state, then the big 10, obviously that's not going to be as a, going to be a cakewalk, but you know, the, the Ohio state and the Penn state game gave him opportunities to go out there and thrive and you thrive in a big game environment like that. And that's, you know, and that's the last thing that voters are going to see before they vote. So I think it was a combination of all three of those things. But listen, I just, I mean, kudos. It was very impressive that they did that. They went out there and just you know put out extra linemen and, and ran it down uh, Penn State's throats. But to not attempt to pass in the second half is is it raises some red flags for me moving mm-hmm. forward. I there's gonna because there's gonna be a time in the next, maybe it's not this week, maybe it's not next week, maybe it's not till the playoffs, but there's going to be a time in these next four or five games where he's going to need to win them a game. Are they confident enough to let him do that? Is he good enough to do that? I venture to say yes, but it was just strange that they would not let him try it in this game.
1: I got one last comment about this game, Pierce, and then I'll let you hit everybody with your good of the week. Um, How about that post-game press conference with the interim coach? Just... I love you, Jim Harbaugh. This is for you, man. It's like, yo, he didn't die. Like, it, <laughs> what was, was that?
0: Honestly, you know what it gave me? You know what it vibes it gave me right off the bat? It was so strange. I had to rewind it like three or four times. My mouth was just <laughs> a gate. And I didn't know what – I was well, like, what did I just and,
1: watch? And not only that, but the TV broadcast didn't – I mean, they let like four F-bombs drop.
0: Oh, I know. And, and then how about afterwards – Fox, the Fox official Twitter account posted the unedited version without the bleeps. So they just posted it again, which is kind of crazy to think. Uh, Normally, you know, it's hard to catch those in real time, but you're not going to put it on your official Twitter, uh, you know, to get flagged or to get, you know, hey, this has got bad language in it. When, uh, you know, when you've got time to edit it and they just didn't. So um, very, very interesting. Uh, I can't imagine what the reporter I was thinking when she was interviewing him, but it was very strange. You know what vibes it gave me? It made me think immediately, oh my God. This is this is turned into a cult like Clemson. yes
1: well and you don't have that's to go like. you don't have to go farther than you know what a cults do they make it feel like us against the world that's one of the marquee things they do that and and now granted I understand that we are fans of a team that are you know gaslighting their players into thinking you know we're going 7, seven and five and everybody hates us and you know, nobody thinks we're going to win the national championship and stuff but at least that has motivation but but the the what cults do a marquee of a cult. Is that they make this whole thing of like outside they're bad that's bad we're good we're the good guys we're the good guys and for him to Jim Harbaugh then in his press conference on Monday to say we're America's team and why would everybody not want to root for us because we're America's team and we you know we are that's why everybody's going to rally or is, is rallying around us and stuff and I'm like what are, are you delusional like it was but that's that to your point that is a cult like mentality of like. You need to be a part of us because everybody else is wrong and we are, we're the only right people and, and you got to be on our our side. So I agree with you. Very cult-like vibes. So, but you know what? Hey, they got it done. And like I said, they're in a primed position to make that big 10 championship. I just think they're more complete than Ohio state. So we'll see. Um, what is your good of the week, Pierce?
0: Man, there are a bunch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw out some, <laughs> throw out some uh, honorable mentions, but um. You, you, you know, you had Arizona State got a big win coming, getting off the schneid there. They Arizona State has had a pretty solid season for just three wins um, in, in Dillingham's first year. Had Georgia in there. Had Oklahoma had a big bounce back win against West Virginia. Gosh, the shellacking that UCF had. But I can't look away from the Missouri Tigers. So they take my good of the week. I mean, listen, I've kind of been on the soapbox, I feel like, the last couple weeks, uh, you know, touting this team. Um, I backed them quite a bit early in the season against Kansas State. The one loss that they had was against LSU. And, and to be quite frank with you, if you watched any of that game, they had it in control. They were going to win that game, and they got up so big in the first half, they took their foot off the pedal. And they couldn't get it back revved up again um, once LSU started to go on their run and, and came back and won that game in, in incredible fashion. Um, so this really is, is could have been a one-loss team with their one loss being to Georgia but it was the way in which they defeated Tennessee, and and, and I was torn. You know, I, I know you picked Tennessee in the pick'em. I had Missouri. Golly, it seemed like everybody I respected and I hit on this in the podcast was on Tennessee this week, and 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 I was very torn because my number said Missouri, my eye said Missouri, and um, I'm glad I ended up pulling the trigger because Missouri just went in there and absolutely just shut Tennessee down um, defensively. And then just did their thing offensively and kind of imposed their will um, you know didn't have the greatest passing performance from from Cook this week, but man what that dude does in escaping the pocket and creating plays with his feet when need be is is very impressive it's it's really the it's really kind of the uh the the reason that uh they can kind of you know, stay in a lot of these big games with the Georgia or or teams that have maybe slightly better talent than them because he can just make things happen in a Houdini way. Um, and man, he's progressed really well. And I, and I believe he's back next year, so watch out. I think Missouri does lose a lot, but having a guy at the helm like Cook could be very important um, for another solid season. But you know, they didn't. Luther Burden was pretty dinged up. Um, he did you know get some carries and some touches, but um, was dinged up from I think before the Georgia game with an ankle. But man, how about how about I think it's Cody Schrader. Mm-hmm. Man, this kid can play. To think that he played at Truman State just two years ago is, is amazing. Um, at the end of the first half, he had over 100 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards. I mean, the dude just absolutely balled out. Tennessee had no answer for him. Um, and and, and it, was, <laughs> it was nice to see Missouri and, and, and to be backed up with what I've been saying for the last few weeks about this team is a very, very good team. I think they're the best, their third best team in, in, the, in the conference behind Georgia and Alabama. Um, and, and really, you know, the sky, they've got a big chance here because they're recruiting as well as they ever have, that they've got a good chance of really, really getting better under Drake, which is uh, fascinating because I did not see this coming, uh, you know, after last year. Um, but got to give it to Missouri. Great win over Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, has, I think had beaten them by like 60 points combined or something in the last, yeah. So It was, I'm sure it felt good for the Missouri fans um, and for the Missouri players and uh, just building on what has been an incredible year. I don't know
1: if you mentioned it. Cody Schrader was a walk-on for Mizzou. So he uh, had 35 carries, 205 yards and one touchdown in that routing of Tennessee. Um, And yeah, Mizzou, you know, it it is interesting being from the SEC East and it's like, you know, or rooting for a team in the SEC East, I should say, Um, you know, you, 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 you have a close one versus Mizzou last year. And you know, then this year you're like, Oh, we're going to write that wrong. And you don't, and you're like, you start looking ahead and you start, or you start looking back and you go, well, you know, maybe it's a little bit less egregious because maybe they are kind of a tough team. And, and suddenly, you know, that, that, that closer game than everybody wanted to see last week feels a little bit better because to your point, I do think that they are the third best team in the sec. Um, they and they are who Tennessee thought they were building to be last year. And and obviously Tennessee now with three losses um and and it solidified Georgia coming out of the East for the SEC championship. Tennessee fans, that's the part that I love. Tennessee fans on Twitter, they were like being like, Oh, they were the biggest old mess fans. They're like, please beat Georgia so we got a chance in Neyland to take them down and go to go to Atlanta did not have to worry about that because you didn't take care of business first, Mizzou. And, yeah, Mizzou Pierce now or on the season had four uh, wins against teams from the state of Tennessee. So uh, Drinkwitz in, in his post-game press conference or, or post-game interview uh, was like, hey, Tennessee State champs. So good on Mizzou. Um, and, yeah, build, building something fun there. Um, and and, and they, should, they are a testament to giving a guy a little bit of time. You know, Drinkwitz obviously has had some ups and downs but they're giving them some time and they finally have something really rolling there in Como. And it's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. Um, And hey, don't mean to rub it in, but they've been to more SEC championships since they've joined the conference than you, Tennessee have. So um, since 2012, how many have you been to not any, Go goose egg. Um, all right, my bad of the week, Pierce. So you hit on a lot of good. That's great. I was going to throw in Tennessee as potential bad, but I gotta change it because I was reminded just now as I was looking through some things. Um I don't I didn't put it in my easy peasy. I wish I had. I think you did put it in your easy peasy or someone mentioned it on the podcast. I gave my flowers to Oklahoma State last week and I said, you know, hey, you guys got it done. It was awesome. Last bedlam. That was so cool. Rush the field tear down the goalposts. I shouted out our, our friend, Summer Frazier, who doesn't listen to this podcast. And she didn't even know I did that. So I'm no longer giving her free shout outs. Um, and then I started looking at it on Saturday morning and I was like, they're going to lose to UCF. <laughs> they are going to lose to UCF. And sure enough, they did 45 to three, the final, I, I didn't make it to my ugly because the ugly is, is a, is a really bad one um, that I'm going to cover. But it, it was pretty damn close to ugly. Um, Oklahoma State, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. We were like, this is such a cool story. Good for them. Mike Gundy, he got it right. Um, and now you just look at the team that lost to South Alabama earlier in the season. So it makes you wonder about Oklahoma, which in turn makes you wonder about Texas. Um, but yeah, 45-3, to the final there. Uh, their quarterback, Alan Bowman, he had three interceptions. And then Ollie Gordon, who everybody was very excited about, had 12 carries for 25 yards and one fumble. That's not going to get it done. Um, That's not going to get it done at all. Uh, On the flip side of things, uh, you know, the UCF Knights, it it is a tough place to play. And that was my reasoning for for saying that they're going to lose. I was like, you know, I think it's going to be a close one, one close. But it's a tough place to play at UCF. It has been since their, you know, their, their, what were they, Conference USA or American? Um, and, and, And they were one of my sleeper picks for the Big 12. This certainly was a good win for them. Five and five, they're going to have to win one more to be bowl eligible. They have Texas Tech at Houston. They could probably pull one out there. Um, but ultimately, Oklahoma State, like I said, you had a chance to make the Big 12 championship, and now we're knowing you're not going to do that. Um, and yeah, just embarrassing. Just embarrassing. A little blip on the radar because I don't think a lot of people were really tuned into this one, but you might have been seeing it on your phone, and you're like, what the hell happened there? Um, anything to add, Pierce, or do you want to just hit us with your bat of the week?
0: Uh, I, I, will give myself a shout out. That was one of my easy okay, pieces. So. Um, you know, and, and, and good on you for making it a bad and not an ugly. Yeah, it was an ugly game to watch, but it was just a bad spot for Oklahoma yeah. state coming off two massive upsets, um, going on the road. And the one thing that UCF has shown, um, of the four teams that had joined the, the big 12 conference, UCF, especially on offense, have the level of athlete to hang with with, with a lot of the big 12 teams, uh, minus Texas. And 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 this just felt like a a spot where UCF was going to come out uh, guns blazing, and um, they got up so so quick. And then I don't know if you saw any of it, just a torrential downpour. Oh, okay. Um, When I think it was twenty four to three at that time, or twenty four nothing, and there was no way Oregon or Oklahoma State was ever going to be able to come back after that. Plus, Ollie Gordon did get dinged up and was out for a little bit, and and so when you're down that much, you know your best player is taken out of the the game plan, basically. So. Um, just a perfect storm for UCF. Um, but I'll go ahead. My bad of the week, I kind of have a trio, to be honest, and you could honestly throw all three of these in there. Um, it's a combination of A&M, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. Well, uh, don't um, do
1: Arkansas because that's my ugly.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, that – okay. I'll do uh, I'll do Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Uh, obviously, they played this week. Two coachless um, teams. And two coachless teams now. And, and it was about time for Texas A&M. Mississippi State. You know, listen. I think at a Mississippi State, it's, it takes a special kind of coach. And um, you know, Zach Arnett was was trying to change things and try to make them. They were going to play more of like a, a downhill pro style offense and, and try to be more of like a Georgia and Alabama, and that's just never going to work at, at Mississippi State. So tough situation for him. Got to feel bad for him to to get your first chance at a head coaching gig, and and really he had no chance of of making it past the year. This was just a uh, placeholder. Uh, to figure out what they want to do next. He, he was never going to stick around. So um, it, it, it feel bad for the guy, but um, you know, Texas hit him coming off a, what, 41-point win? And, and next thing you know, the coach is fired. Um, and, and did you see also at uh, – I think it was at halftime, they trotted out some donors and had like a $160 yes. million dollar check. <laughs> and I was like – and everyone was like, oh, that, there's Jimbo's buyout right there. And sure enough, to less than 24 hours later, well, he gone. And did so, you hear the
1: rumor that the reason that they basically forced his hand – to name Bobby Petrino as the play caller was to see what will this look like without him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had heard rumblings of that. Um, Yeah. And, and, and obviously I think it's Ross Bjork, who's the AD Mm -hmm. there um, also said, listen, we knew we weren't going to win the national championship this year, but we wanted to see some improvement. Um, And it clearly just, it's, it's almost going backwards. So um, my bad is simply just uh, two teams that played each other in a pretty ugly game. um, and, 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 are now without a coach. So uh, those are my bad. The Zach Garnett
1: thing made a little bit more sense to me? I I think they only did it when they did it, Pierce, because of the fact that you don't want to be the last person at the table with a coach firing. And I think they knew they were going to fire Arnett, obviously. I don't think that's who they really wanted to fire. But you just, when, when you have a death of a coach, which is not something that happens often, I can't believe I just said it, like that's something that happens to teams. But, you know, you just try to find stability. And you found somebody in the locker room that the guys knew stability and that was just never going to work out if, Hey, he turned out to be great. Great. Um, but everybody kind of knew the writing on the wall when he even got hired of like, I don't know if they're really going to like hold on to
0: this. Yeah. He was, a, he was exactly. a placeholder.
1: Um, we don't have to get into it necessarily about who they're going to hire there at Texas a and I think people keep, that sounds bad, but people care a little bit less about Mississippi state, but they don't have the kind of money to shell out like Texas A&M does. Um, fun fact, Pierce. uh, Jimbo Fisher, who uh, went or who was a his first job, and he actually did attend as well, my alma mater, Sanford University. Um, his first job as the uh, one of the coordinators at Sanford, he made twenty thousand dollars a year. With his buyout, he'll make twenty six thousand dollars a day. So he's living on the high life now. He he should. Be pretty set, obviously, for the rest of his life. He never needs to work again. I'm sure he probably will. I don't think he's likable enough for television. Um, I don't think that he is an easy loser. I, I feel like we'll see him as an analyst at least somewhere or, or doing something like that. But um, all in all, as as a, a Florida State fan... Makes you realize, wow, we probably dodged a bullet there because he exposed how much we needed to catch up with resources. Check, we did that. Yes, we had the Willie Taggart years that wasn't great, but now we went we got Mike Norvell, didn't have to pay out a huge buyout or anything like that to fire Jimbo. And let's see the writing on the wall; he was going to probably end up getting fired because it was turning really sour really quick. Um, and yeah, and 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 hey, credit to him for this big payday because you know what he he dangled the Texas A and M job in front of FSU. FSU said we can't we can't pony up that kind of money, so he left. Then he dangles the LSU job in front of Texas A and M, and they say we'll just throw cash at you in a big extension. And then, uh, you know, obviously sitting here a couple of years later, and he is uh, he's gone. So
0: you, you just said two fascinating or one fascinating thing, but I also have to throw out what what how are you going to feel when um, Texas A and M announces Mike Norvell as their next
1: I, coach? I so, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, though I think with the yes, you can make a lot more money at Texas a and We're seeing that now. I do wonder, Pierce, and I don't remember which podcast it is that that talked about this today that I was listening to. Kind of funny with us doing this a little bit later than normal. I was able to listen to a lot more things. So I have a lot more in my arsenal. Um, I don't remember who said it, but someone was talking about, you have got to knock this out of the park with your next hire because eventually the boosters are going to look up and go, What am I giving you all this money for? And we're having to buy these coaches out and it's a ridiculous sum each time. So I do think they're going to potentially, you know, one of the reasons I think they wanted to get to the table first was because I think they want the best, the cream of the crop. They want to take their time with this as opposed to once you wait till the end of the season, you fire, you're the fourth team, third, fourth team to get to the table. Um, and I think they want to make a splash. If they go get Norvell, it will feel really, really crappy. I'm not gonna lie; that's gonna feel really crappy. Um, but I don't know if Florida State is as unattractive or as bad of a job as it was when Jimbo left. Credit Jimbo; he exposed, like I said, a lot of the thing, a lot of the issues with the Florida State job. He said, "Hey guys, we aren't going to be able to keep up with these teams. Yes, we're not in the SEC, but we're not going to be. Able, we're recruiting against SEC teams, and we can't keep up with them." I think that because of the the advancements and the things that they have done to catch up. I think FSU is probably in a more a better job than Texas A&M at this point, save for obviously what we're seeing with Jimbo and the potential money you can make. But I wonder if you know this neck, if they go get a Norvell, they're going to be like we got to start kind of low with you know if they're boosters. I don't know what the boosters are feeling as far as their um, you know level of how much giving they're willing to give. Um, but but so far Pierce, the big names that I'm hearing. Or Dan Lanning, which would be a good hire, but I would feel so bad for Oregon fans. Another like coach that you think is going to be the next guy leaving, and he certainly seems to be fitting the billing. Um, uh, shoot, I'm forget. Oh, oh, Lane Kiffin. I don't think Lane leaves Oxford, but he could because Lord knows he he's got a big ego, and if he wants, if he could get that big payday, he he would love to. But the big one that I'm hearing, and it wouldn't shock me, is primetime. Now, the thing that I said, I, I think I said it last week. The only thing about prime time is if you go get Dion, he just went to Colorado and he made a big fuss and he cleared house and he did it. He, he you know, made a bunch of waves. He's also come out this week and said that his kids aren't going. They're going to go pro together in 2025. Um, obviously, if he goes to Texas in Texas A&M, he's going to want them to come as well um, to to the, uh, the Aggies. I would hope that at some point we would look up and we would say, hey, we've had this one-year transfer rule, this one-time transfer rule, as as a placeholder, as as a guard for when Jimbo Fisher and Zach Arnott gets fired and you're a freshman and you're like, well, crap, I came here to play for that guy. He's gone. I want to go elsewhere. Or he left for a different job. I want to go elsewhere. But to be able to bebop from, from place to place to place to follow a coach, that's what everybody was worried about because that fundamentally changes college football. Um and and it's not even comparable to NFL. It's 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 just that becomes just the wild, wild west. So I would hope that there are safeguards from that happening. Um and, and think it would be a really bad look. Also would be a really bad look for for the kids who got recruited out to Boulder from Southern California and Texas and Florida to come follow Dion and get a chance to play with Dion. And let's say he doesn't have enough Louis Vuitton luggage to bring to Texas AM with them on or, or let's say they get denied or something, they get Tez Walker. Um, and then you know, they're stuck in Boulder, Colorado in, in a program that assuredly, without Dion would go back to the bottom, bottom of the barrel. Um, so that's, that's kind of my basic thoughts with Jimbo. I don't know what your thoughts are, but, um,
0: so I'll put, I'll try to put a bow on this as, as, uh, much as possible here. I actually think there's the the last person that would ever get this job. Really?
1: Okay. So you're, you're um, different. um, you, and
0: let me tell you why. Yeah, the funny thing is, though, remember Mel Tucker left Colorado after a year, so it, Col- Colorado he had this at, done him oh, before. So. at
1: Colorado State. Oh,
0: no, he went to Colorado. Bobo was at Colorado right. State, I that's think, right, at that, that time. That's that's time. Right. Um, but uh, so h- here's the thing with A A&M. and a very unique job. Mm. Um, it's a very you know, speaking of cults, it's it's a very cult cult like school that has. Very, very strange traditions and traditions that they are diehard about, and they can't have a a coach that would come in and try to create their own identity and their own uh, traditions like Dion did at Colorado. Ain't gonna fly there. I just don't see him being a fit there, simply due to that. He, he'll be a loose cannon. They're they're going to be freaking out when he tells them they can't have yell practice anymore, and he wants the yell leaders That's off the fair. field. He wants cheerleaders, you know. He he doesn't want the the twelfth man anymore. He wants instead of a twelfth man number and a twelfth man jersey, he just wants a big D on the jersey instead of the number for dog <laughs> and leaders, uh, or an L for leader. They ain't going to be able to put up with that. So I don't see Dion ever going to Texas A and M simply because of that. I, and I don't know who they hire. That um, I, I mean. Yeah, that's actually an interesting one there. I would, whew. you know, I, they could they could do a lot of things and entice him. Um, and I think he's kind of getting tired. Exactly, of Clemson, to be and, you. and all the crap you he's go getting. from
1: one cult to the other.
0: Yeah. So, and then want to go back real quick. You said something actually twice. It was very interesting. So you said that uh, you know that Florida State with Jimbo didn't want to pony up and pay him the money. Um, you also said now that uh, Norvell's there, they've got things in place. Where's FSU getting the money? Well they now are, are are shipping are are pushing out money left and right like that grows on trees so the, the
1: the there was a huge i think the athletic might have put it out years ago you know kind of when they first like it was one of their first like big pieces of like hey subscribe to us and I fell hook line and sinker because I kind of wanted to know exactly what had happened behind the scenes with Jimbo what was so wrong about that marriage that he you know dumped his christmas tree and said bye um and basically what it was was the Bobby Bowden years FSU boosters never really got asked for money and, and obviously a different time of different era of football, but they never really had to give money. And, and Bobby just kind of made it work on a a low budget and they, you know, Jimbo comes from, you know, the, he comes from the sec world. He's seen that, you know, he's the next coach and he starts asking for money and they get a little shocked because they never had to do that. And they kind of got, slapped across the face when he did leave because apparently he kept asking for more he kept asking for more money and more money. And eventually they started looking at him like, Hey, we don't, we don't want, we didn't have to do this to win championships with Bobby Bowden. We don't want to do this for you. So I think when he left, it was kind of a wake up call for them. Um, And so I think for the first time in a long time, the boosters were actually, have actually been ponying up money. Um, It's kind of my understanding, obviously, speculation there but that's basically what that athletic article said was they didn't want to give money to him because they never had to give money and they didn't understand why he needed money to win when Bobby didn't and Jimbo was right you're going that's he was like he was like saying hey guys Nick Saban came in and said I need this this and this and this obviously Kirby hadn't happened yet at Georgia but that's exactly what George what Kirby did he came in and said I need this this and this and this all of that has to do with money and um they weren't willing to do that for Jimbo. So they relented on some stuff, but eventually kind of got harder and harder. Um, and, and, and I think him winning a championship was honestly one of the worst things because before he won a championship, it was like, okay, maybe a little bit more, a little bit more Then he won it. And they were like, well, damn, we don't need to give you more. You want a championship. Um, but, but uh, you know, there was little things like they didn't even have an indoor practice facility when Jimbo was there. So little things like that, that he was like, guys, we have to have money. And, and they have eventually um, started doing that. So that's kind of my understanding. So. All right, you ready to move on to Uglies? All Let's right. do it. I didn't know if you had anything to add, so I just sat there. <laughs> Sorry, sat there No, was we like,
0: had kind of run long, and I, I know we, we kind of ran long. long, so I figured we'd, we'd want to move on. But that was good banter. I'm not, Did you I'm, already yeah, do your – A lot of interesting things to share. Your
1: by. bad was the Texas A&M, Mississippi State. Mississippi
0: State. It was basically the coaching. The
1: coach. That's right. Teams. The coachless teams. We'll see who they – um, we're not a coach. Um I, I will I will shout out a podcast if you are interested in that kind of thing. Um they are a, phen- a phenomenal follow is Split Zone Duo. They follow coaching gossip a lot. Um and and they are great uh, when it comes to that inside baseball stuff with coaching hires. Um all right, ugly of the week Pierce, it's the Arkansas Razorbacks for me. Um fresh off of a win last week, everybody was like, "Okay, Arkansas, like what are we doing here? What are we doing here?" They lose at home 48 to 10 to uh to drop down to three and seven on the season uh one and six in the conference um at one point and I didn't read up on this so maybe you of lighten us here at halftime did they play polar express in the locker room or something like I didn't understand what that meant Sam Pittman is surely gonna get <coughs> fired here um that is just a matter of time uh no one is going to be shocked when it happens and I hate that for him I love him uh he obviously being in the offensive line coach for the dogs for so long he was such a fun character I was happy for him. He seemed like, you know, he was never going to win a national championship there. He probably was never going to win an SEC championship, but keep him bowl eligible. Um, And and he, you know, ultimately couldn't do that. So, uh, you know, Arkansas, it's getting getting bad and it's going to get worse, unfortunately. So they're my ugly of the week. But uh, on the flip side of things, Pierce, really got a shout out really quick to Auburn. They are now bowl eligible. And I think that there might be some Bama fans a little bit worried because of the ball they're playing, but mainly because of where that game takes place now Auburn not not necessarily anything you know to write home about per se but they are like I said they are six and four they play at Jordan hair this year the iron bowl is there it's a rivalry game you got to throw out the records anything can happen we've seen craziness happen in that game and we've seen craziness happen in Jordan hair so it's the perfect storm for something like that to happen and I think Bama fans are shaking their boots but yeah this is about Arkansas not great matter of time till Sam Pittman gets fired and then like just some weirdness going on behind the scenes, like with the polar express thing. Not great. Um, did you hear anything about that polar express situation?
0: Yeah, I I've seen the video. Um, and I just, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's, uh, maybe they just wanted to get in the Chris spirit. I don't know. It's, it's maybe time. That, that time of year. I, obviously that, that team yeah, is tapped they're, they're out. Done. So it's, uh, it's past time to get rid of Sam Pittman. And it is a shame. I hope, uh, I don't know if he'll uh, if he'll coach again. I think he this was yep. his dream job. He might run, you know, just right off in the sunset. Um, but uh, I know a certain team uh, in Athens, Georgia, that wouldn't mind taking him back as an analyst of some sort, and and uh, with his recruiting Absolutely. prowess. So
1: I'm looking up his buyout really quick, just because I'm wondering what he'll make um, if he does. Uh, it increased after they they beat Florida. Um, fun fact, um, but it shouldn't be too. Uh, it's like ten point seven or maybe a little bit more than that. So, but it's not nearly the Jimbo Fisher level. So, um, all right. What's your ugly of the week,
0: man, I'm torn on mine. Um, on one hand, one hand, I feel like uh, I need to just stick with the trend and go with another soon to be coachless team. And that is the UCLA Bruins. But I watched a lot of this game and, and, and it's, it's, I don't know where they go from here. And, and and that is the Penn state offense. Um, I, I, Listen, they ran the ball actually pretty well against Michigan. I was intrigued um, as a potential opponent of Michigan. Uh, my team, uh, being the, a potential opponent of Michigan, hopefully uh, down the road, will, uh, you know, because they were able to run the ball fairly effectively. Um, I think they had over 150 yards rushing. Katron Allen had a pretty solid game, averaged 60 yards per carry. Um, Singleton ran hard. Drew Aller also uh, scrambled and made some things happen. And he can scramble, but he's not very swift of foot. Um, so you know he looks kind of he lumbers when he runs. But I just I don't I, I there were a lot of bad decision making in in the game by by and that's easy to see. But man, and I'm not saying he's going to be bad because he's still young. I mean, this is his first season. But Drew Adler, man, just doesn't look comfortable um, when he makes throws they seem a lot of them it seems like half of them are are nowhere near his intended receivers I do know this um so I'll give him a little bit of uh of of leeway they don't have the level of uh, receiver uh athlete or receiver this year that they've had in the past um you can just you know kind of go through them Jahan Dotson you know uh Chris Godwin they've always had some pretty good receivers on the outside you know they needed Quintez Cephas to transfer from Kent State who uh who I believe he was the one that tore up Georgia last year um, when Kent State came to town and Kent State had a good year last year. Um, he transferred in; they needed him to be uh, what they thought he was going to be, and and he really is getting better, but he's not the level of athlete they're used to having. And so I know that makes it challenging for a quarterback because the the level of separation that a receiver can get is is very minimal. But man, it, it it's it's just it just doesn't look good out there right now for Drew Aller. Um, it, you know, it almost kind of looks like in a weird way and. I'm going to wait another year for sure before I judge Drew Aller, but it kind of feels like a DJ Uliunglele situation where he's thinking too much. The offense isn't really set up to, to be beneficial for him and and his um, and what he does well. Um, and, and so obviously I'm not saying he needs to transfer this year because he, listen, he's a young guy. He, he's got years to a couple years to try to get this thing going, but it just doesn't look good right now. It doesn't look fluid. He's, he's second guessing himself a lot. Um, he doesn't have the weapons to get open and even when they do, he's just, he's very meh at at hitting them. Um, so I I don't, obviously they fire their offensive coordinator, um, after the game, um, we'll see what they do and who they bring in. Um, if they bring in some hot new name and up and comer, you know, who knows that could be the difference, uh, with Drew Aller. But man, it was, it was tough, tough, tough watching him on Saturday and you just knew like. I mean, maybe I'm answering my own question uh, to you about why Michigan didn't throw a pass in the second half. They weren't feared by they weren't fearing Drew Aller's arm. Um, so I got to go with the Penn State offense. It's really their defense is good enough to uh, to to be in these games against Ohio State and Michigan this year. And uh, man, they're just missing. As we know all too well, at Georgia until the last couple of years, they're just missing that 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 key piece at quarterback, along with the full complement of pieces. Um, and, and this year they're, they're missing that. So it was a tough watch. Um, it was kind of like uh nails on a chalkboard to be quite honest, watching that game. Um, so I got to go with the Penn state offense. It was pretty, all ugly. right,
1: real quick here, because this is a longer podcast than we normally do here on your recaps. Shout out to Emily, how she finished at number one this week with a final score of 13 and seven Pierce. You were at number two, tied with. Jeff and Liz, you guys went 12 and eight. And then I was tied for fifth, 11 and nine with Rebs 2023. Um, bah, 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 Hank went eight and 12. Not so great. Um, and then on the overall leaderboard, Carly is 136 points. Jeff has 130. I have 129. We got two more weeks of this, people. So there is still time to light the world on fire, but you are going to have to catch up quick because Carly is still ahead of all of us by a good uh, healthy margin. Um, All right. And then really quickly with our top 25, how it went for the rest of college football. Louisville survives a scare on Thursday night, beating Virginia 31 to 24. Ohio state takes care of business at home. First Michigan state, Georgia dominates Number nine, Ole Miss, fifty-two to seventeen, the final there from Athens, like we already said. Number three, Michigan, twenty-four. Number ten, Penn State, fifteen. Number four, Florida State, also survives a scare, taking down uh, in-state rival Miami, twenty-seven to twenty. Washington, number five, hosted number eighteen, Utah. They also had a slide scare, thirty-five to twenty-eight. The final there, uh, number six, Oregon takes care of business versus USC, thirty-six to twenty-seven. And Bo Nix is now officially your front runner for the Heisman. Number seven, Texas barely hangs on to beat TCU, twenty-nine to twenty-six. Your TCU Horned Frogs, twenty points in the fourth quarter there for your TCU Horned Frogs. Number eight, Alabama just absolutely rolls Kentucky on the road 49 to 21. Number 12 Oregon State 62 points at home against Stanford and they do have Washington this week and then Oregon next week. So they could potentially really mess some stuff up there out west. Number 13 Tennessee gets taken down by number 14 Missouri 36 to 30 or to 7, the final there. UCF beats number 15 Oklahoma State 45 to 3. Number 16 Kansas falls at home to Texas Tech 16 to 13, the final there. Number seventeen, Oklahoma bounces back. They take down West Virginia at home, fifty-nine to twenty. Number nineteen, LSU absolutely dominates Florida, fifty-two to thirty-five. I think it's they've won like five or six straight now. Number twenty-one, Arizona uh, beats Colorado, thirty-four to thirty-one. Number twenty-two, Iowa hangs. Rutgers couldn't even hang a single point on the Iowa's defense, twenty-two to zero, the final. There, number twenty-three, Tulane hangs on to take down Tulsa, twenty-four to twenty-two. North Carolina, number twenty-four, field Russian time. Don't know why they did that, but uh, they beat uh, their rival, Duke, forty-seven to forty-five, and then last but not least, twenty-five. In the nation, Kansas State, they win at home versus Baylor, 59-25. to 25. That is what happened on a macro level. Time to take it down to the micro, Pierce. Who are our braggers of the week?
0: A lot of good statistical performances put up this week. Uh, Going to go ahead and start it out with the best quarterback, John Paddock, quarterback for Illinois. I believe it was Bull his first start against Indiana. Bull 20- crap. What?
1: Did you just call him the best quarterback?
0: No, I, th- I said I think the best quarterback this week, statistically. Okay, but... Passing wise, 507. How
1: much did Jake Daniels have? How much did Jake Daniels, Daniels
0: have? Uh, okay. 372. I
1: didn't realize that they had
0: 507. And I'll get to him. Okay. I'll get to him. John Paddock, Illinois, 24 36 for 507 yards, four TDs through the air. Jordan McLeod at James Madison in their 44 to 6 win over UConn, 33 of 37 for 457 yards and four TDs as well. Dylan Gabriel in a big bounce back win over West Virginia, 23 of 36 for 423 yards and five touchdowns. Obviously, this guy uh, could be on there just about every week, but next 23 of 31 for 412 yards and four TDs. And then who I think is the rightful Heisman uh, for 2023, Jaden Daniels, 17 of 26 for 372 yards through the air, three touchdowns, um, and also tallied 12 carries for 234 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, led all uh, rushers on the week, um, so doing it in both the air and on the ground. Um, speaking of runners, R.J. Harvey and their win over Oklahoma State, uh, the UCF running back, twenty-four carries for two hundred six yards and three TDs. Cody Schrader um, had a, a spectacular game. Um, don't have his receiving numbers in front of me. I know he cleared a hundred easily, but in his in their big win over Tennessee, thirty-five carries for two hundred five yards and a touchdown. Um, and then. Receiving-wise, Reggie Brown, James Madison, obviously his quarterback, had a great day. He benefited. Nine receptions, 202 yards, and two touchdowns. Isaiah Williams, Illinois, nine receptions for 200 yards and two touchdowns as well. And last but not least, Drake Stoops for OU in their big bounce-back win over West Virginia. Ten receptions, 164 yards, and three touchdowns. Those are my braggers. All right, that's
1: going to do it here for our Week 11 recap. Week 12 is on deck, which means rivalry week is just around the corner which means conference championships are almost here, which means the season is winding down. We want to make sure that you are along for all of it because you know what? In a few weeks, it won't be here and it'll be sad. And the longest off season of any sport begins. Um, You can follow us on social media at bragging pod on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back in uh, like a night, really quite frankly. Uh, We podcast a night from now. I was about to say in a couple days, but guess what? No, because we're recording this a little bit later. Uh, Well, this is where we're joined by our other brother, Hank, and we go through 10 best games of the week, and then we follow that up with our Easy Peasies. Now getting released on Fridays, hopefully, if all goes according to plan. So make sure you're subscribed to us here. Make sure you're following us on social media so you don't miss anything. And until next time, I'm Madison.
0: And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.